Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number three. I am Rob Wright, site editor of searchsecurity.com, and I'm here with my fellow site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. Peter, I'm in a great mood this week. <laughs> it's true. Uh, because I don't feel like anything catastrophic has happened uh, over the last week. Um, this week for us, uh, we're recording this on June 3rd, I guess next week for the listeners. So this will be uh, online sometime the, uh, the following week. But uh, there have been a number of uh, little things going on in the world of InfoSec, of cybersecurity that we wanted to touch on and discuss. Uh, things that I think are uh, worth, worthy of discussion and debate. And the first item, Peter, is something that you wrote about this week for search security, bug poaching. I love this, this is great. So you wrote a story about, um, apparently IBM reported uh, that there have been a number of sort of bug poaching cyber extortion attacks. Explain what's going on here because I know what bug bounties are and I, well, I know what bug po poaching is too, but for the listeners, let's, let's dive into what's going on here because this seems troubling to me. Not, not troubling like I'm gonna lose my mind troubling, but troubling nevertheless. So bug poaching is, uh, they call it bug poaching because it's kind of like if there was a bug bounty, they would get the bounty. But right. There is no bug bounty program. The, the attackers are just going to the websites and going to the organizations, breaking in. In general, they're using very simple vulnerabilities and exploits like a SQL injection. The gentleman who uh, I spoke with, John Kuhn, over at IBM, mm -hmm. he was only aware of people uh, of, of the attackers using SQL injections. He thinks that they probably used other exploits, but he does. He, he said that it seemed like it was very basic stuff, um, and the attackers are are sending an email to the sysadmins or whoever and saying, if you want to know where we got all this data, which they post on a, on a dump somewhere right. in the cloud, they point to the cloud where they dump the data. They say, all this data came off of your system, right. your systems, and, we're, and, and we took it and we put it there. We're going to take care of it for you. We're not going to expose it. We're not going to expose it. We have it, but we're not going to... We're not going to use it. We're not going to sell it. We're not going to... But that's not the, the important part. Right. The important part is they're, they're saying, they're going to all of these companies and saying, we want $30,000, and we'll let you know what the vulnerability is. Right. And I mean, it yeah, turns $30,000. That's a lot of money for... A lot, I mean, minivans aren't cheap. Right. Well... I mean, I, I don't know that these guys need minivans. I'm just saying, I hear $30,000, and I immediately <laughs> think of my, my minivan. Okay. Um, all right. That be that as it may. It's not tricked out. I mean, it's a minivan. Right. But whatever. And, and these vulnerabilities that they're exploiting, a SQL injection is pretty old hat, and yes. it's pretty simple to exploit. Mm -hmm. And of the of the 30 enterprises that he discovered had been uh, part of this campaign, one that he knew of um, actually paid the, the 30000 and they did get the information about the exploit, but what uh, John Kuhn said to me was that if you're going to have a, if you want to have a better security position, you won't, you shouldn't have to pay thirty thousand to find out that you're vulnerable to a, a SQL injection and exploit.
And, and if you are vulnerable to a SQL injection and exploit, you're probably vulnerable to a bunch of other things. So if you pay, he suggested that maybe you're going to get hit again. It's maybe that's the subtext that I got from. Yeah. If you're if you're paying thirty thousand dollars to find out how to patch a SQL injection vulnerability, you'll probably pay thirty thousand dollars more, or twenty thousand, or maybe maybe less. Maybe look at a volume discount for some other old school OWASP top ten. Something Vol really obvious. Some right that should have been addressed long long ago. Easy to do for the exploit for the for the attacker and. And not a problem. They can probably train monkeys to do it. Oh, I was in such a good mood when we <laughs> sat down. And now, you know, hey, risk and repeat. This right. is the name of the game right, right here. Same mistakes, same same stuff. I almost said a different word. Same stuff happening over and over again. What a bummer. Mm. And this is the thing that kills me about this, is that they, they don't have bug bounty programs, these companies that are getting hit. No. Uh, and, and okay, so lots of companies do not have bug bounty programs. Lots. But if you're gonna have something as obvious as, as some of the, the issues that these guys are exploiting, I mean, if the worst thing that's happening to you is somebody's coming to you and saying, I'm not, I'm not excusing the behavior of the people that are doing this you know, extortion, because um, it, it, it is extortion. It's totally extortion. It's to it totes. Yeah. <laughs> For realsy, it's extortion. Uh, now, but at the same time, if the if if the worst that happens to you is you is you take thirty thousand dollars out of your petty cash fund and you have to pay somebody to to you know get make sure your data isn't exposed and you get your, I'd say you're getting off pretty good. I'm well, not. I'm not saying they deserve it. I'm not saying that. I may be suggesting it. I may be making certain gestures or stuff that the listeners can't see that may suggest that I think that they deserve it, but I'm not, I don't think that. Well, no. the, it, it is extortion. It is, the, the it's 30, criminal. The $30,000 that they're paying is yeah. for a piece of, one piece of information. Right. Um, what they do not have is, number one, a guarantee that they won't get extorted again. Number two, that their data is actually being protected or is going to be deleted when they right. make the, the payment. And number three, they're encouraging these cyber criminals to go and keep running the scam. It's just going to keep happening. It's Yeah, it, it's like the ransomware game. It's like there's no guarantee that when you're dealing with these these you know these hackers or cyber criminals that... You're, that they're going to abide by the rules and that they're going to honor the agreement or any of that. And yeah, I mean, we're going to get into ransomware uh, at a later, you know, in a later podcast and get into that whole thing more. I know we touched on it a little bit in the first or second episode of, of this podcast, and I'm probably going to go mental about it. But yeah, there's, there's, you're, you're kind of, you're leaving yourself open because who's to say that that person that found the vulnerability and exploited it and took your data isn't going to say on some black hat, you know, deep web forum, hey, just just letting you guys know these guys are an easy mark. They'll pay for a bug or, or for ransomware. Who knows? So, well, ransomware is not going away. But no. what else have we got this week? We've got some other items. So th this was great. 
th this was just the kind of thing that you want to see out of the you know the people that manage your 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 health and well-being you know the the medical professionals the the healthcare profession this is exactly the kind of thing that you you, you just love to see i'm being very sarcastic here but apparently a medical system for tracking and managing patients and uh, surgical staff uh, before during and after surgery so like like while you're 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 getting surgery this this could this could be happening and exploited they were using uh, the system was using hard-coded I just hard-coded credentials I just can't in this day and age anyway well out, your outrage is is noted it, and it's, it's and it's certainly it's building too it, it, there, we, I can't say that you shouldn't be outraged yeah. about it. Um, and yet, it's this is this is part of. I thinking about this whole episode yes. makes me makes me more and more concerned that we don't have more curriculum around computer science and programming. In that's a great point. In K through twelve, yeah. Because what happens is a lot of people are self-taught in programming, especially in some of these um, niche verticals where you have people writing uh, specific programs for specific functions. And it may be that a doctor wrote this. He learned how to, let's say he learned how to don't say code that. at night as don't a hobby. Say, no, don't say that. The problem with a lot of, a lot of uh, tutorials on coding is they say, this isn't exactly secure, but it's easier to do it this way. And they never get around to telling you how to do the coding securely. Uh, so what happens okay. is that you've got people hard coding credentials into their code sure. and then selling the code. Sure. And obviously that's not the best way to do it. But if you're if you don't have uh, if you don't have the education as a as a as a developer, you're going to do that kind of thing. The good news is that the vendor was notified. Yeah. The vendor has remediated by fixing it in the newer versions and told all of their uh, yeah. administrators that they should upgrade to the latest version. Yeah, the the the, the med host, I want to see if I can get this all in one take. Well, I guess I, I already started, so it won't this will be the second take. Medhost Perioperative Information Management System or PIMS uh, contains hard coded credentials that are used for customer database access. And as you pointed out, uh, they have, they've addressed it. Uh, this actually went out on a, a, a CERT security advisory. That's right. I mean, that, that, so it kind of tells you the level of urgency around this. And we've seen a lot of issues around uh, medical device security, medical software security. A lot of this stuff, to your point, was built a long time ago uh, and probably by people. I mean, you, you said a doctor may have done this. I'm, I'm trying in my, in, inside my head right now, I'm trying to think, is that really possible? I'm, I'm sort of willing myself to not believe it, but I, I think you may be correct. Well, I'm, I'm not, I, I shouldn't even Not speculate. in this case, in but the, like, but, but, yeah. but yes, people, but people solve problem, their, their own problems with code and right. they find that it's useful and yeah. they tell people about it and other people decide they want sure. to try it too. So that's, I think, how a lot of, uh, especially niche and, and vertical software Right. gets rolled out is that somebody solves a problem and, and other people follow on and they, and yeah. they like that. Yeah. Um, that's pr 
probably not going to go away, but no. unless we can make security be more of a, 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 a of a priority for people who are putting out. Well, not, not to go off track entirely. I mean, we're not saying that MedHost did this, that PIMS, you know, th that some doctor was writing this stuff. And, I mean, if it was used this widely, I, you know, it's a database program. It's that I, I doubt it's, it's being put together by somebody that didn't know anything about code. But you look at a lot of stuff going on with like mobile apps. I mean, we always said that the legacy applications and legacy software, the problem is they weren't built for security. Well, now we know what security is or what, what we need to do to, what, to make sure software is secure or at least not riddled with, with, with holes and vulnerabilities. And we still don't do it. I mean, mobile apps, the, 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 the primary concern there is getting it to market. I mean, I assume with niche industry apps and applications like this, the, the point is to address the problem that they have. And they're not really thinking about security. I, I would guess probably still not thinking about security. I mean, it's great that they fixed this, but clearly they, they didn't know it was a problem before and they probably knew that they were using hard-coded credentials. Uh, it's just hard-coded hard credentials. I'm just, I'm like flabbergasted. Peter, I was in such a good mood when I sat down and well, now you gotta you gotta figure that the the plus the good side the, the positive side of this kind of a story is that here's a software developer that has been publicly shamed and they're 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 going to have to toe the line a lot more presumably yeah. I, were I they even shamed though it wasn't like I don't want to say like it wasn't an issue where DHS or CERT said oh OMG look at these clowns I mean that's like their advisory was was pretty, I mean, like a, a lot of when these security advisories advisories and people in the industry know this, they're very neutral. Uh, you might have something like what went on with um, Semantic and, and Google Project Zero, where there's a little bit of sort of extra <laughs> extra sauce there. <laughs> WTF uh, for those um, that didn't catch the first uh, episode of our podcast, we discussed the Semantic AV, uh, the truly baffling semantic AV uh, vulnerability that Google Project Zero caused. But these, these vulnerability notices and security advisors are, are generally, you know, they don't make judgments. They just say, here's the problem, here's how to fix it, goodbye, little technical speak. So, but you're right. I mean, something like this goes out from a place like CERT. It sort of implicitly um, says, you know, hey, fix this and get your act together, which, like you said, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I just I'm just terrified to go to the doctor now, uh, and not because I'm I think I'm going to get a bad you know diagnosis. It's because I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes with the the computers and well, the IT systems. So yeah, I I think I think the benefit of of having these uh, uh, notifications is that people clean up their act. I mean, you don't have to be shamed shamed, but the fact that you're publicly treated yeah. is you're not going to not going to be like. Game of Thrones style shame where they parade you through the city and you know throw stuff at you. No, right. Well, the other the other, the other advantage of doing that kind of thing is that uh, it does when these companies depend on people wanting to buy their product. Yes. If their product is shown to be not secure, they want to fix that so that they can continue to sell right. their product. Right. So, so I think the market has has some 
impact because before you get hit with these things, all of these companies are not looking at security as a bottom line no. issue. They're looking at it as an expense rather than a profit center. Oh, now, now you're. Oh man. But let's go. Let's move on. Hey, let's move on. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about another thing that you touched on this week. NFS. This is sort of in your wheelhouse. What's going on with misconfigured NFS servers? Okay. This is troubling. Yeah. NFS came to us from back in the 80s. And the the Unix world. I'm going to stop you right there, Peter. 1984. Right. Sun Microsystems. I mean, 1984 was a long time ago. So... That that right there should tell you how much how bad this is going to be, right? Well, no, I'm, I'm it's a, I'm iffy. A, I'm, a, I, I'm a pessimist. The the researcher at Fortinet reported that there's thousands of terabytes of data that's exposed. Oh God. Well, okay, that's a stretch, but there's a lot of data floating around, and oh. a lot of it is is worthless. The, the, the researcher reported that 10% of internet-facing NFS servers, 10% of them were open. Hmm. So that means that they were just not configured to do uh, authentication of any kind, or they were running NFS version 3, which doesn't support authentication. So uh, the question is, 10% of how many, and that's the number that I didn't catch that number. So there's there's probably a lot of garbagey data lying floating around. Right, old it. systems that haven't been touched right. in a while and probably yeah. don't aren't or systems that were point that and somebody somebody some consultant came in in 1997 or 1992 or 2004 and set something up to do backups or to do redundancy or something. Yeah. And they went away and nobody, you know, everything works and it's just fine and they don't care, but the, the bottom line is that these that these kind of legacy infrastructural protocols you really kind of need to keep on top of. You can't just call in a consultant once every few years to to make sure everything is good. So probably not a good idea. It's probably not. Yeah, and it, at the very least, you should upgrade to NFS version four, uh, which first came out in two thousand. So it's only sixteen years. Oh, and this is something. You know that you, Peter Lotion, not to <laughs> pump your tires, but you've written about. Well, I I mean books. I don't want to say articles, books. Okay, books, sure, but I remember like you, you, writing about NFS probably 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. And the thing that I that I do remember when I hear NFS. I know it's not a secure protocol, and I know that you're not supposed to face that out to a public. And we've known right. that. We've known that since, you know, 15 years ago. Sure. And, and yet someone somewhere, and I, I think part of this, and not to put, keep, keep blame on the companies using this stuff, because you, you envision kind of what happens with these things where, you know, a company, they hire some IT staff in the 80s, and Sun Microsystems has this cool, you know, network file system. Okay, let's start using it. They roll it out. 
You don't. You're not even thinking about hackers. Yeah, you've seen war games. Okay. Right, but you're probably not even thinking about that stuff. That person leaves, and then another person comes in, and they know a little bit about what NFS is and what it does, but they're not really concerned because it's not, you know, maybe those systems aren't that important. And then that person leaves. And then, so then you're three or four generations removed from that original person that deployed this, and it's just sitting there. And the new IT people, they may know NFS is insecure, but they may not even know that the system is there, that it's using it. Well, that's the thing. We see this over and over again where people... Risk and repeat. Risk oh, and repeat. God. People are not... Are, when, when people experience some of these attacks, they start to get the idea that they have to have a security stance. Sure. But it's not, a, it's not an option. It's, it's going to affect their business in the bottom no. line. And the way I think of it is, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, don't get fooled again. Yeah. Where, where's the live by? Yeah. Where's the live by? <laughs> okay. I think so Abraham Lincoln might have said he, that. Yeah, uh, some president might have said that. Possibly. Um, so the, the last item on our list of, of security happenings this week that we wanted to touch on is one of my favorite subjects. OEM software, the bloatware, the crapware, the stuff that you get on your computer when you when you first come home with it, or or when you first start your job at a at a company, and you see stuff on there that's preloaded or loaded by a, even you know maybe not the OEM, maybe it's just uh, it's preloaded by IT. Well, I, I have an axe to grind with that. I'll get into it later. But OEM software, so. New research, new information, just a, about how bad this stuff really is from a security and privacy, in, invasion of privacy standpoint. And this was done by, I believe it was Duo Labs, Duo Labs. the mobile, um, right. I'm sorry, the SaaS security firm. Right. So what are some of the things that they found out here? I started off at a high point when I sat down here, mm -hmm. and you've brought me down. Let's, let's just do it. Let's just drop me off okay. the ledge here. Okay, so Duo Labs, in having having experienced Edel Root, which uh, is, and Superfish, which oh. okay, so we all sort of you know will all furiously Google those terms, and and catch up if we've forgotten. Yeah, if you don't already know them, they're bad news. Right. So, Duo Labs decided they're going to um, take a look at the secure the state of security for the. OEM software updaters because all of these when you buy a computer from at down at the computer store yep it comes preloaded as we've noted and all that software has managing software around it that has to download updates and has to and does phoning home if that's what they're doing there's who knows what's going on well duo labs found that who knows what's going on it's there's there's insecure stuff. They're not using HTTPS for uh, uh, for encrypting data in transit. They're not doing authentication on the data or ver validation on the data that they download. So theoretically and potentially, somebody could download malware onto your onto your computer, and it would be trusted because it's got it's been signed by these certificates that are assigned to to the updaters. 
So uh, they didn't find a single vendor of the five they looked at, which was the top five, probably Acer, oh. Asus, Dell, Hewlett Packard, and Lenovo. They do, they couldn't find one that didn't have at least one major vulnerability uh, that would result in arbitrary remote code ex execution as system. Oh, so that's that's uh, fantastic. It allows for a complete compromise of the affected machine. See, this is why I build my own PCs. Well, the other alternative, which is and I've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth worth noting. The benefit of buying from Microsoft's hardware stores is that they don't come with those installers. You have mentioned it before. I have mentioned it. But and I'm not getting paid by No, Microsoft. you're not shilling for Microsoft. I'm not shilling for Microsoft. No. But I just think it's a really good way to avoid this pro this particular problem. But it's still a problem because most people don't buy their Right. Because those stores are usually pretty empty at the mall. Yeah. But yeah, so so that's uh, that. That's I think it for this episode. Or do we have more? It's probably a good idea to call it here and, and wrap it up for the week. And uh, thanks for Peter. Thanks again for joining me in this week's episode of Risk and Repeat. It was uh, there were like no major catastrophes, but I think a lot of this stuff built up and has has has, has uh, raised my concern level. And uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me here. And it's always fun. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, we'll have better news next week. Thanks, no, everyone. We no, won't. we won't. <laughs> we won't. We really won't. Sorry. Uh, we're three episodes into this, and it's not going to get any better. Uh, sorry, folks. <laughs> but thanks for listening to uh, Tech Target's Risk and Repeat episode uh, three. I'm Rob Wright. Peter Lotion. And we'll see you next time.